Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Dr. Sammy D. Kim is a Harvard-trained ethicist and co-founder of 180 Church NYC. He is a Yale Hastings Scholar at the Yale Interdisciplinary Center for Bioethics and the Hastings Center, where he explores the inequities surrounding health, immigration, and social policies, along with professional burnout. He is also a regular contributor to Christianity Today. For more information, please visit his website at samdkim.com. You can all be seated. All those joining us today, welcome online and in person. I'm going to give you just a moment to center yourself as we practice some silence and solitude as we prepare to listen to the word. So will you just bow your heads with me as we take an exhale and inhale. Exhale, just all the ruminating automatic thoughts that are weighing you down this week and this year. To take a breath and to allow the Spirit of God to come breathe new, fresh perspective. And inhale the presence of God and his transcending peace. August 7th, Sarah Young, Jesus Calling. Understanding will never bring you peace. That's why I instructed you to trust me, not in your understanding. Human beings have a ferocious appetite for trying to figure out things out in order to gain a sense of mastery over their lives. But the word, uh, the world presents you an endless series of problems. As soon as you master one set, another pops up to challenge you. The relief you had anticipated is short-lived. Soon your mind is gearing up again. Search for understanding mastery instead of seeking me, your master. The wisest of all men, Solomon, could never think his way through to peace. His vast understanding resulted in feelings of futility rather than in fulfillment. Finally, he lost his way and succumbed to the will of his wives by worshiping idols. My peace is not an elusive goal hidden at the center of some complicated maze. Actually, you are always enveloped in peace, which is inherent in my presence as you look to me again in awareness of this precious peace. All God's people pray, amen. So you would come up, let's give him a hand. Okay, so uh, the last time I was up here, uh, I was talking about the ways that we can come together as friends along the journey in Christ. And last time I was specifically speaking about beginning that journey how we invite our friends along that journey of discovery of who Christ is. And I kind of compared it to a road trip, kind of like finding that destination, really selling it to, to people about, this is the journey that I've been on, I'd like for you to come on that. And coming as a friend along the journey, not someone who really has everything put together, but someone who is just an honest, equal friend along that journey with all of our faults, with all of our problems, with all of our issues, and just being there as an equal partner in that journey. And making sure that at all times we remember that the destination of that journey is Christ. It's becoming like Christ. It is having that relationship with Christ. 
Today, I'd like to take it a little bit further because as with any road trip and any journey, we're going to inevitably have problems. We're gonna have bumps on the road. We're gonna have those snags and those potholes. And oh boy, can sometimes it can get interesting. Uh, again, last time I mentioned a road trip that Andrew Rowe, Kevin Lim, and I took together. Uh, I'm going to go back to that road trip because right off the bat, we had one heck of a uh, issue with it. Andrew was driving. Kevin was uh, sitting in the shotgun seat and I was kind of asleep in the back. And all of a sudden I start to wake up a little bit and I hear one of them say, man, I have never seen rain like this before. I have never seen it come down like this before. And the other one says, yeah, and I've never seen the windshield wiper stop working like this. I can't see anything. And yes, that is exactly what we saw. And by the way, we were still booking it about 60 or 70 miles an hour. Yeah, that was kind of the feeling I had where all of a sudden I said, why are we still driving? But as you do when you're in community with one another and you have a bump in the road, we work together to solve the problem. I hit the side window, rolled it down, stuck my head out into the monsoon that we had so that I could make sure we weren't plowing into anything and that the side was clear so we could pull over. Andrew listened to my advice and slowly pulled the car over nice and safely. And I think Kevin was mainly just praying, A, that we survived, and B, I didn't have an aneurysm because I was definitely having a moment. I mean, it, it was my car after all, but anyway. But we came together as a community, we worked the problem, we solved it, we got through it, and we continued on that destination that we were bound for, right? And again, it's that way when we're friends along the journey in Christ. We will have those problems, we will have those issues. But when we come together in community to work together, to sometimes offer the wisdom of where we've been on that journey and help each other stay pointed on the destination in Christ, that's how we can weather those storms together and how we can continue to pursue that destination in Christ. So we're gonna look at two passages today as we talk about this, how we can be a friend along the journey and really weather the storms together we're going to look at uh, two passages. We're going to look at James chapter 5. We're going to look at Hebrews chapter 10. And we're going to start off with James. Um, this is one of maybe the lesser known books in the Bible. It's not written by Paul as most of the New Testament is. It's not even written by James the Apostle necessarily. But whoever it was that was the author of this, he was a very sharp individual, really addressing a lot of needs that were common, not just to one particular branch of the church, not to one particular community, but the community as a whole, really making sure that the gospel that they preached was also the gospel that they lived, that they were acting in alignment to Christ. And one of the things that he said was that he wanted the group to really come together and make sure that they were doing this together, that they were at each other's disposal in those times of need. And if we read through this, starting with, chap uh, with verse 13, if anyone among you is in, is anyone among you in trouble, let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. 
And again, I bring Hebrews 10 in here as kind of like a cross-reference because again, there, the author of Hebrews is trying to make sure that the community is still pulling together in their times of difficulties because at that time, the church was starting to feel some persecution, starting to feel some oppression. And in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some of us are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, all the more as you see the day approaching. See, there's an importance to doing community together. It's been a ontological thing about the church since the very beginning, that we need community around us, helping us and leading us. And yes, we're in a post-pandemic world where we've had to kind of reevaluate how we do community. And thankfully, we're coming towards the end of it. We're not in the end of days that it felt like back in March of 2020, but we've still changed how we do community. And it's something that we need to fight for because even though we've changed how we do community, it hasn't changed our need for community. And when you look at this, when you look at each of these things that these two authors talk about, there's really nothing here that you can do very well on your own. I mean, sure, can we celebrate good things by ourselves? Yeah, it's possible. But who among us here really wants to celebrate a promotion or a birthday sitting by themselves, right? Who, who among us can really get through difficult times and struggles on our own? Can you do it? Sure. Does it look more like you're just kind of locking yourself in your room and moping around? Mm, yeah, it's really not moving you further. I would love if being in accountability and confession was something that we could do on our own because it would save on that shame of having to say, yeah, I screwed up again. But again, when it comes to accountability, when it comes to confession, when we're doing it just by ourselves, who is spurring us on to change? Who is helping us move past those sins and those stumbling blocks? Um, considering how we can move on to love and good deeds. How can we spur ourselves on if we don't have someone working with us on that? It's really a kind of self-help that doesn't really click, that doesn't really work out so well most times. I mean, this is why we have a gym buddy that goes to the gym with us so that we have someone keeping us accountable, so that we have someone spurring us on to lift those weights. And so we don't become that person that is spending 20 bucks a month on a gym for three years straight and never once setting foot inside that gym. Please don't ask me how I know that. But you guys get my point, right? You guys get my point that we need community around us to help us, to spur us on in those moments of trial and even in those moments of joy to have someone to celebrate with us. So how can we be a friend along the journey that will help each other weather the storms? My first point is this right up here. It's to engage horizontally. It's to engage as a peer, as someone who is on the same journey, equal with you, not that someone has been doing it longer or is better at it or anything like that, but just an honest friend along the journey. And I wanna make a little bit of a distinction here because again, we're on the journey towards Christ together. And I don't wanna say anything bad about engaging horizontally with other people in life, but when I'm talking about this here, I'm talking specifically about those who are on that journey with you together in Christ that can spur you on, that knows that the whole point of this journey is Christ-likeness. It's becoming who Christ called us to be. I mean, think about it. For those of you guys that are recent believers in Christ, 
maybe you're starting to come to a place where you're learning that there's new ways of doing things, there's new ways of looking at life, and there's a new way to respond to the world in Christ's likeness. But you're still going through some of the struggles from the past, some of the old habits that keep creeping up. And if you're doing faith alone, if you're doing life in Christ on your own, you will start to get that feeling that you will never get there, that you will never progress past these stumbling blocks that you have in front of you. But when you have community around you, those are the people that can say, I know that I've been in that position. I know what you're going through. It is possible to move beyond this. This is how it happened for me. Maybe this is how God is working it for you, but it is possible. And again, for those of us that have been on the journey in Christ for a long time, I know I'm not the only one that has that one thing, or maybe a couple of things, but that one thing that we keep coming back to and just like, you know, I should, I should have this by now, right? How many, how many of you guys feel me on that, where we say that I should have this by now? And again, we get that feeling of it's like hopeless. I'm never going to get past it. But again, when we have community with us to help us through those things, to help us through those stumbles, to be with us on that journey and encourage us that, yes, we can overcome this. We can get through this in Christ. That's vitally important. And honestly, however you do it, however you do community, it's important to do it together. Now, we talk about small groups, and small groups, I will never say anything bad about it because it is a wonderful place where I can come in and just be a mess and say, I need help in my journey with Christ because that's what we do. We say, I need help in my journey in Christ. How do we do this? But it's not the only way that we do it. It's not the only way that we engage with one another and we talk about our journeys in Christ. We go out to the park and we eat together. We help each other move. We go to parties and we go to games. I invite people to Rangers games and I'm not saying that just because I'm constantly harping on it and constantly getting more Rangers fans, but because I intentionally invite people out because it's a way that I can get that time just to talk with people that maybe I don't get a chance to very often. And believe me, I'm definitely going to bring some new faces this year. But yeah, we need that community. We need to develop those relationships. It doesn't happen at random. It happens intentionally. It happens by going out and meeting with people and spending time with them, getting to learn their story, letting them get to know your story so that when those trials come up, when those bumps in the road, when the weather gets stormy, we can say, hey, I need a hand. Can I talk to you for a minute? And really work through those problems together, keeping in mind that our destination is in Christ, that it's towards Christ-likeness. So my question for you guys is, where are you engaging with each other horizontally? Where are you connecting with people? Or is this something that maybe you're struggling with? You're starting to say, you know what, I'm, I'm realizing that I'm pulling away from community and I need to make a little bit more of an engagement with other people. Or maybe you see people that are pulling away themselves. Maybe you can be that friend that helps them re-engage in community that is there for them in their moments of need. It's my prayer that we would be a community that does life together, that sticks with each other through thick and thin, knowing that, yes, we are going to be a mess sometimes, but we are all on that destination of Christ-likeness together. But it's not just about engaging horizontally. It's not just about engaging with one another. It's not all just about 
giving that wisdom and that good advice, even that godly advice. Because if it was just about that, if it was just all of us getting together and sharing our life experiences and giving some wisdom back and forth with each other, but if God isn't a central part of the picture of this, then all we have is just a really cool social club. And we're not meant to just have that. We're meant to have something more. And again, on the journey in Christ, as a friend along the journey in Christ, we have to make sure that Christ is the center point of that journey, that destination. If we can go down to this um, next slide, Dallas Willard, he was a theologian, and he had a um, quote about spiritual formation. And he said that spiritual formation is the process through which people are inwardly transformed in such a way that the personality and deeds of Jesus Christ naturally flow out from them when and wherever they are. See, in our journey with Christ, it's not just about the externals. It's not just about following a pattern of behavior and following a bunch of rules. There's a battle for the heart that goes on. There's an internal battle that goes on to transform us inside and out, to become like Christ. That's what spiritual formation is. It's embracing in that Christ-likeness so that we can respond to the world. Rather, let me hang on a sec, that we can respond the way Christ would to incidents rather than react the way the world would. There, I got it right. There's a difference between reacting, responding. There's a difference between the way the world does things and the way Christ does things. And a big part of our journey, a big chunk of our journey, is to embrace that Christ-likeness. It is to take on the qualities of Christ. And how do we do that if we're not engaging with God, if we're not engaging with Christ? Especially when that relationship is so very readily available to us, but sometimes we miss that. Sometimes we forget about that part of it. And that's what I want to go into next, if we can go down to the next passage going back to Hebrews chapter 10. Now, when we read through this, as Dr. Sammy would say, we have to think kosher. We have to think as they did in the time of temple worship in ancient Jerusalem, because just from this, from looking at it right now, it may not click for us. But as we go into this, reading from verse 19, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop right there and just kind of explain this a little bit because again, like I said, it makes sense for a Jewish audience then, it may not make sense for us now. What the author is talking about is he's talking about how people actually approached God at the time, how people came to the temple and tried to have an audience with God because the temple was where God was. They didn't have the same kind of relationship. And if you wanted to have connection time with God, the first thing that you had to do is you had to bring a sacrifice. If you were in any kind of sin, if you were in any kind of disconnection with God, you needed to bring a sacrifice in order to be worthy of going to God. And the second thing is you didn't just wander in to the most holy place. You didn't just wander into the center of the temple. You had to go through the high priests. They were the ones that actually got to spend time like sitting there right with God. You had to kind of go through them. So there was a bit of a, of a disconnect from that direct 
relationship with God. That was the old way of doing things. It's a different way now. The author says, we have the confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. We have the confidence to enter that because Christ's sacrifice on the cross, his blood spilled on the cross, is the atonement for all of our sins. From now, from then to eternity, that is the atonement for our sins. A new way, a new and living way opened uh, for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, the author is talking about Jesus. He is the one that opened up the way for us to have a connection with him, a direct connection with God. We don't have to go through someone else. It is just as easy, if not easier, to speak with God right now as it is to call up a friend on a cell phone because half the time when you call somebody on their cell phone, they're not even going to answer, right? God is actually there, willing, ready, able to answer. And continuing on, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. We're a new creation in Christ. When we come to Christ and we repent of our sins and we say, God, I am a mess. I need you as my Savior. When we acknowledge Christ as our Savior, when we come into the family of God, we have that direct connection with God. We have that direct relationship with God. He is always available for us to connect with, to engage with. But like a lot of things, how often do we actually remember that? How often do we actually engage in that connection with God? And this is, again, sometimes why we need our family, our friends along the journey to kind of give us that nudge and remind us that, yes, God is here for you to engage with, to pray with, to be with. I remember many years ago when we used to do House of Prayer back on Staten Island, and it would go for about six or seven or eight hours on a uh, Saturday. I may be exaggerating a little bit. It may have only been four or five hours, but it was intense ends connection time with God. And it was a great thing. And I remember one particular time uh, we were encouraged to break up into smaller groups and pray for each other and really see if God was saying something to the next person that we were praying for, to just kind of build that connection with each other and with God. And I remember praying for one person and I got kind of an impression, I'm not saying I'm kind of like a mystic or anything like that, but just a little impression of two people in a car, a father and a son on a road trip. And again, again, I know I'm leaning hard into this road trip analogy, but this is, this is what I, I saw for this person, that father and a son in a car together, but there's absolutely no conversation going on. The father is desperate to speak with the son, but the son just doesn't know how to engage, doesn't know how to say anything. And when I told this to the person that I was praying for, it really kind of resonated with him. It actually really clicked with him. Not only because like he had had a, a difficult relationship with his own father, but because there wasn't that open, free communication between him and God. There was that, that blockage, that awkwardness. And it just took a little bit of encouragement, a little bit of reminder that, no, God is there sitting with you on this journey in life, just waiting, begging for you to talk with him, to engage with him so that he can share who he is with you. That's what we need sometimes. That's how we can be a good friend along the journey in Christ. Sometimes we just need one another to remind ourselves 
to remind each other that God is a living presence in all of our lives, that he is there, that he's available for us to speak with in those times of trial, in those times of trauma, in those times of difficulty. So how can we be a good friend along the journey in Christ and really be a good friend in our spiritual formation? This is my next point. We need to help each other engage vertically. Again, it's not just about the horizontal. It's not just about with one another. We have to get closer to the person of God. That is how you become like a person. They say when two people get married, they start to take on the, the characteristics of each other because they're constantly spending so much time with each other. All the married couples here, am, am, I, am I on the right track with that? All right, somebody said yes. Thank you. Thank you, Mignon. Um, yes, when you're on, when you're spending that close proximity with each other, you start to take on the characteristics of that other person. That is part of how we attain Christ-likeness. That's how we start to build that, by building that relationship with Christ, by drawing near to him. And sometimes we need to be that friend along the journey that reminds each other, hey, God is available. Why not spend some time with him? And again, just like with connecting horizontally, there is no right way, there's no one way to do this. An old instructor of mine used to say, it's never the way, it's always a way. It doesn't matter if you're doing it in house of prayer. It doesn't matter if you're doing it through a Bible study. I remember before the pandemic, we had a Bible study group that used to meet up weekly in the city, and they would go deep into the Word and see what God was saying to each of them so that they could draw closer to God. It doesn't matter if it's text messages or video chats. If you're just, you know, reminding someone that's griping to you and saying, I'm going through this, and you say, hey, I've got a great idea. Why don't we pray about this? Sometimes we need that reminder to draw close to the heart of God through prayer, through journaling, through Bible study, whatever it is, we need to engage vertically. So my question for you guys is, are you engaging vertically? What are the ways that you do it? How can you spur others along so that they can start to engage vertically? And I pray that as we go through the week, as we go through our horizontal engagements, we would talk to each other about those ways that we can engage vertically, the ways that have worked for us, the ways that have worked for other people, so that we can build that relationship with God. Now, as I close up today, I've really made a lot of talking about community. I've really made a big emphasis about community, but I also want to say that community is not the be-all and end-all. Community is where God calls us together. It's where he gathers us for his purposes. Again, going back to the, the beginning of this, the destination is always Christ. It's always the relationship with Christ. And a community is just where we can come together and stay on that path together, stay guided towards that goal. Because we're all going to come from different backgrounds. We're all going to come from different paths on a journey. But we're all moving towards that place because God has a purpose for us. He has a mission for us. You know, you check out this banner right over here. One of the things we say about this church, joining God to restore the beauty in all things. How do we do that? We don't do that just by gathering together. We, gather, we do that 
by seeing where God is calling us, what the mission is that he's leading us on. So would you guys stand with me and pray? Father, I want to thank you, Lord, that you are a live, living presence in our lives, that you are an available presence in our life, and you have put us in a community that will help us move closer to you, that will draw closer in Christ-likeness, that we will grow in spiritual formation, Lord, that we can take on the, the, the likeness of Christ, Lord. I pray, God, that as we go from here today, that you would show us the ways that we need to connect horizontally, but more importantly, the ways that we need to connect vertically to you. So we lift this up in Jesus' name. Amen. So the church makes two errors, or errors on two extremes. In one hand, a church could be like the Shire in the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbits, where they all they do is second lunch, third lunch, and then brunch. You know, when they ask God, do you know, I don't think he knows about second lunch. There's, it's about a culture of community. And in a church, you need that homeness, and you need that comfort. You need that place where you can rest your head and where no one would judge you for the third lunch. You need that wholeness in order for you to let your guards down. But if a church simply becomes like the hobbits and live their lives in complete bliss but obscurity, detached from the world around them, their larger world, where, on, where at Middle Earth there is a epic battle for the soul and the domination of the, the whole planet, then you're not really part of anything larger than your lunch, which is great, but meaningless. And sometimes that's what happens in the church. If you get too cozy in community, all you do is brunch. And that's great. But sometimes we're called, and the gospel calls us to Middle Earth, where, where Aslan's at, where the battle is. Because the fellowship exists because sin and evil still reigns in this earth. So we need that peace, but we also need the tension of war and a calling to a greater purpose. But sometimes, some churches, all they do is talk about war. And all they want to do is pray. Now, you could do that for a week, but I want to go to second lunch too. When you pray, you do get hungry. So you can err on it. You can be, and some churches could be really serious about like, oh, it's about the army of the Lord. It's about fighting the battles and they put, you know, cool, weird music on and sing to it. That can be okay, but you need a confluence of both. So we need to be pulling each other towards one or the other. So we need the hobbits, we need the dwarves, we need the elves. This is all about the Lord of the Rings. Just read the book. 
but, but the point is that. The point is, that's what it means to be a friend along the journey. Not just someone you eat second lunch with, but someone you go to battle with. And then you feel this transcending purpose in your life. A blissful joy and comfort, but a transcending reality that you're part of the grand scheme of God's plan. If a church has both, you're at the perfect balance of God's plan for your life. Let's be those type of friends today to each other. So let's make this our prayer. Will you lift your hands with me to the Lord today? And will you just ask the Holy Spirit today to kind of convict you on where your where your error is? Because some of us have like a propensity. If you're one of those serious types, you just might want more. How are we gonna save the world? How are we gonna change the world? What about the what about justice? But even people who fight for justice, I'm sure Dr. King stopped and had some brunches. Or you might be someone who errors just on fun. Will you, will you pray, I mean, for the Holy Spirit to convict you on what needs to happen in the heart so that you could come toward that balance that Stu is talking about today? Let's make this our prayer. Father, we come before you this afternoon. We thank you for the model of discipleship 
with Jesus and his disciples. We thank you that that Jesus, you were you showed us what it really meant to be fully alive. Not as a machine, not as a statue, but human. You know, Jesus partied so hard that people accused him, unlike John the Baptist, who was really serious, by the way. He had weird clothes, only ate locusts. Now, I didn't want that calling. I told God, I don't want to be John the Baptist. That's why I want to be like Jesus. Jesus is accused of not fasting. People say, how come you don't fast? He goes, well, I'm not dead. I'll fast when I'm dead. Those three days he died is the only time he fasts besides the 40-day fast in the the beginning of his ministry. But he lived a life of, of immense joy of not washing his hands before eating. They accused him of that too because he was so just like I am, you know, just like my sons are. And, and that is a life that God is calling some of us to. You might be too serious for your own good. Smile and go to second lunch with some people. Please, you're driving your spouse or your friends and your family crazy. But then there, there are some of you also who are you're too hippie, too bohemian. You need to, you know, get some structure in your life, all right? You need some discipline, and war just might be the right thing to straighten you up, you know? So I pray for that. But those are the two things that's God calling us to, and I pray the Spirit will help you see where that balance for you is. So you bow our heads for the benediction today. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. All God's people say, amen. God bless you. Go in peace. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Day in the Sun. It's really good to see all of you guys here today. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Minyoung, and I'll be giving some community news before we go into today's sermon. Our first announcement is about tithes and offering. And if you're a member here at 180 Church, we ask that you remember to keep God in the center of your finances. So please continue to tithe faithfully, which you can do at Venmo, Zelle, Chase, QuickPay, or PayPal. Um, we're also asking for a $10 donation for the delicious food that we're gonna uh, about to eat soon. So if you haven't already done so, um, you can donate through those methods I just mentioned as well. Uh, our next announcement is about small groups, which are all being held remotely during this time. This is a great place where all of us in our community, we can go into smaller pockets and smaller groups and go deeper into the word together and do life together. Um, our adult groups meet Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. Our young adult group meets every Thursday at 7.30 p.m. And our college group, 180 Fellowship, is actually paused for the summer and will, will resume once school starts back again. Um, if you're interested in getting plugged in, you can come talk to me after service. Um, and we would also like to remind everyone here that we do actually have a live stream on YouTube for of our services. So if you can't make it out one week to our service at 19th and Broadway at the AMC Theater, you don't have to miss out. Um, this is a great resource for your friends and family that you would like to share with that can't physically be at service with us. So it's a great option to tune in and be part of community. Um, you can find that on our YouTube channel at 180 Church NYC at 12:10 p.m.